And we're going to speak a little bit on, on prayer this morning. Um, so, Psalm 4. Right. Yeah, Psalm 4, we're going to read from verse 1. It says, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You've given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honour be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You've put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Gracious God, we truly believe that these words were written by King David, but inspired by you, the Holy Spirit, and you wrote them down, Lord, so that we would grow in our understanding of you, so that we would grow in our love, our devotion to our God. Lord, fill us with understanding then as we spend just a little while setting aside the world to spend our time with our gracious God and Saviour. And this we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this, this psalm is, is often called an evening prayer. If you're reading other versions of, of the Bible, it, it gives it a title. It's called an evening prayer or a song of the evening. Um, it's written by David. And, and David was a very, very emotional man. He was full of passion, full of emotion. So that, for example, when he heard Goliath, who was defying the, the people of Israel, he said, I'll take him down, leave it to me just straight away jumped in, or when he committed adultery, it was just an act of impulse, an act of emotion. When he was convicted of sin, straight away he said, I'm guilty, I'm sorry, I really shouldn't have done this. David was a man of, of yeah, just his, his emotions came through always. And you notice it, especially in his, in his prayer life, that David is full of passion, full of emotion in everything. And this is a prayer. The Psalms really are, are all prayers. And when he, he's speaking here, he's speaking to God. And then he's speaking to his opponents. He's speaking to people, urging them to, to listen carefully to what he has to say. And it, it's just, it's like me, Lord, bless these people here in front of me. Don't you hear what I'm saying to God in your behalf? That sort of emotion coming through from David all the time. And, and in the prayer, he is, he's pleading, he's rejoicing, he's complaining to God, and it's questioning God. And all of these emotions are they're part of what praying is and we're going to look at prayer this morning I feel it's important that we address the issue of prayer there are a number of people here who are young in their Christian faith so what does it really mean how does God want us to pray what what is prayer and we're going to look at that this morning prayer I, I suppose I was looking at something during the week um, they some of you may know the the musical it's very old now I think the fiddler on the roof and uh I can't remember the main character in it, but the film The Fiddler on the Roof, you might know this song, If I Were a Rich Man. And he goes, if I were a rich man. 
and, and he, I won't sing it. I, I'm not Shane Dean, the singing preacher. But he, when, when he's singing that song, he's saying, Lord, it's, it's no great shame to be poor, but it's no great honor either. And he's saying, would it spoil some vast eternal plan if I were a wealthy man? And he's just talking to God, reasoning out with him. And that is what God desires, that we would speak with him, as it were, face to face, as a friend. He is a, he is a God, he is a personal God, and he wants to know you personally. And in Isaiah, for example, when God is speaking to Isaiah, when he's speaking to his people, he says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be like scarlet, they will be as, as white as snow. And, and God is a reasoning God. He wants us to use our minds. Animals cannot reason, but you can. And God says to you, I want you to listen to me, and I want you to respond to my promptings, to my, to my talking to you. And so the prayer begins, it's a psalm, and we often read the psalms for comfort and, and for encouragement, for insight into God. Sometimes we use it to, to confess our sins. But it's important to remember that the psalms were all written originally as, as prayers. And, and when they were written, they had emotion, they had purpose, they had teaching in them. But they were all inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, and James, when he's writing his letter, he says, the prayer of a, of a righteous man is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. And if you are a Christian, you are righteous in the eyes of God. God looks on you, and though you may be a sinner, he sees the holiness of Christ in you. And when you pray, James is telling us, your prayer is heard by God. It has great power, it has great authority, because it is reaching the throne of heaven. And, and that is important that we would understand that. David, in, in this psalm, he says, know this, that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear my prayer. And he's basically praying this prayer, before I go to sleep tonight, Lord, I want you to hear what I, what I have to say. Um, I want to have a chat with you. I have a few things that are bothering me, and I just want to complain about those people who are, they're, they're out to get me. And God answers prayer. Don't ever doubt that. God does answer. Sometimes he says no. He doesn't say yes to your prayers. But as surely as Jesus walked on this earth, and he did, no one will doubt that surely, then it is true that God answers prayer. So it's worth spending time in prayer. It is worth addressing it. It's worth giving time to think, what does it mean to pray? And so, as I say, the, the prayer begins, and it's an expression of complaint um, and, and plea to God concerning his problems. He's, he's lying down to sleep peacefully, and hopefully, you know, you, you sleep peacefully, and the, the Bible tells us the Lord grants peace to those who loves. He grants sleep to those he loves. Unfortunately, I have to say, as you get older, you don't sleep as soundly. I can say from experience. There might be other reasons. Might be your, the bed is cold. Well, you can do something about that. Get a blanket. If you have an upset tummy, get some tablets or something. But really, it's, it's what normally keeps us awake is our mind, the things that go around in our mind, the things that worry us. 
And that's why we need to think, what does God desire of us in, in a fallen world? We all have problems. We all have worries. What can we do about it? We can bring it to God. How should you pray? It's, it's like this. Um, and, and so the first thing that in this prayer, Psalm 4, first thing David says is God is righteous. And it is important, if you're a young Christian, if you, it's important to remember that our God is holy. He is a righteous God. In coming to him, we should always bear that in mind. God is not a buddy. He's not a, a, a friend. Yes, he is a friend to those who call on him, but he is not someone that you casually approach. He is holy. He is the Lord, the creator of all things, all-powerful. And, and the, the, one of the unfortunate things in our modern world is that we're encouraged to see everybody as equal. We're, we're all equal in, in God's sight, we would say. And, and so in, in the world we live in, you know, there's, there's a, often a lack of respect for authority. It is sometimes relevant, but it can be dangerous. But particularly when we are addressing God, he is a holy God. He is not to be approached casually. When Jesus prayed, he prayed with reverence. And if Jesus prayed with reverence, surely we should. But the reality is, we are all equal in God's sight. We are all equal before God. But we are not equal with God. Therefore, approach him with reverence and fear. Show deference, show respect, show love for the Lord in approaching him. But although God is to be feared, if you are a Christian... When, when, when John read earlier, Jesus taught the, the disciples how to pray. He said, this is how you should pray, Father in heaven. That, that phrase, Abba, that intimacy, that closeness of a, of a child with their father. I have a problem, Father. Hear what I'm saying. But David begins here with pleading. He is pleading with God. Um, and it's, it's, it's genuine prayer. If, if you're, it is God, you are speaking to him, to call him and to use emotion. It, it is important, believer, to use emotion. And I would say one of the weaknesses of our Christianity is that, yes, we do often pray with respect. We pray with using the proper words. We pray using the, the right formula, as it were. But often we lack emotion. You read through the Psalms, they're filled with emotion. Shane, when he was reading earlier, he, he quoted from, from uh, Ephesians, and he said, this is my prayer for you. And it, it's like when, when, when Paul was writing that, he was writing, and he, and he was saying, this is my prayer for you, that you may know the height and depth and, and length and breadth of the love of God is in Christ Jesus for you. And he, he's, he's talking to the people he's writing to, and yet he is full of the emotion that he knows God is, is full of love for you, full of passion for you. And that is how we should be in our prayer lives. We should express, emo, express emotion. We should be passionate in our prayer. When Paul, again, was writing to Colossians, one of the things he said was, he said, I, I vouch for you, Epaphras, who is one of your own, he is always wrestling in prayer. And wrestling takes effort. It takes 
passion, it takes emotion. And I suspect when, when Paul was writing about Epaphras, he was thinking back to, to the time when Jacob wrestled with God at, at, at Bethel. And, and he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I'm not letting go. Bless me, bless me, I'm not letting go. And, and that was the, the passion that Epaphras had in his prayer. It should be what we are like, full of emotion, full of passion. When Jesus was on earth, the Hebrews, it says, he was heard because of his loud cries and tears. And sadly, folks, we do not pray with, with the love and the emotion that we should have as, as children before our Father in heaven. We should pray with passion. And that's the, the first lesson that we learn here, really, in this. And I would say to you, test the Lord in this. Test the Lord. The, the scriptures do warn you, do not put the Lord to the test. But when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, pray like this. And I would encourage you, put God to the test in a respectful way. He desires that you would do that. He wants you to do it. And as I say, the, the Psalms are a pattern for prayer. But suddenly, verse 2, he goes on to say, men, how long? Shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek, seek lies? And it's as though he is, he is praying to God, Lord, hear my prayer. And then he, he's thinking in his head, and, and you guys out there, I, I wish you would just listen to what I have to say. And it's even though he's, he's I think he's, he, he is praying all the time, but it's as though he is addressing the people who are getting him down. They're not in his presence. But he's expressing his emotion like that, saying, how long will you people turn my, my words into lies? And he's venting his frustration with the treatment he's receiving from others. They're opposing him and they're opposing God. He is saying, when you are against me, I am one of God's chosen people. Therefore, you are against God. And, and was he speaking literally to the people in front who were opposing him? I don't think so. But he was imagining them there as he was praying to God, saying, you people, you don't know. I'm on, God is with me, therefore you are opposing God. <clears throat> and I, I suspect he was simply giving out in God's presence, complaining to God, as it were, about these people. And that is what prayer is. It is your, your struggles, your difficulties, saying, these people are breaking my heart, therefore, Lord, Look at them. Look how they behave. They're just indulging in lies, in, in stupid behavior. Lord, hear my prayer. And that, that's what David is, is doing here. He's asking that, that God would do something. A bit like a preacher who's been preaching his heart out. And, and he, he, <clears throat> on his way home, he's thinking, I preached my heart out. And I could see them looking at their watches. I could see them dozing off. They just were miles away. They were not listening. They were not listening. You foolish people, he's thinking as he's going home. How foolish. This is the gospel. This has eternal consequences. Aren't you listening? And he, he's talking, as it were, to himself, but he's, he's aiming it at the people whom he has spoken to already. They're no longer there. But that is the mean manner in which David is praying here. Excuse me. So he is saying to himself, as well as to those who despise him, I have committed myself to God. He's, he's saying there in, in verse 4, I've committed myself to God, and I'm confident, therefore, that God hears my prayer. 
And the reason he is absolutely confident that God hears his prayer, there is a condition for God to hear your prayer. I will say that to you. There are conditions before you come to God. A couple of things you need to make sure you have right. He says, when you lie in your bed at night, search your hearts and be silent. Search your hearts and be silent. And there are a few things to, 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 to look at when he says, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your hearts, on your beds, and be silent. Think now. And, and there are four things there just to mention in that little phrase. Sin, anger, honesty, and meditation. Anger is, is not sinful necessarily. We all know Jesus was angry. He was angry at the money changers. When, when he went in and he threw over the tables and he scattered things, he was furious because he loved his heavenly father and he saw these people disrespecting him. That is righteous anger. Jesus was angry with the people who brought in, in, John, in Mark chapter 9 when, when they brought a little boy there and they couldn't heal him. They said, and Jesus said, how long will I put up with you? How long will I endure from you? And Moses, remember, Moses was angry with the people's behavior before God. That wasn't sinful anger. It was a righteous anger saying, you do not know the holiness of God. Anger is not always wrong, but make sure that you keep your anger for God's glory and not for your own self-righteousness. Supposing, for example, you know, my, my son, when he was growing up, you know, there are lads out playing football on the street. A bunch of lads, they're all strangers. They're kicking a football, and one of them kicks the ball, and he breaks someone's window. Someone's window. And I look and say, that's an awful nuisance. But I'm not going to get angry. It wasn't my son who did it. I know the person whose window was broken, but that's between them and the children. But supposing it was my son that kicked the football and broke the window, then I would be angry. Then I would be upset. Because I care. And anger is an emotion. God has anger. He gave you the capacity to be angry, but use it for his glory. He gave it as part of what you are. But in your anger, do not sin, we're told in both the Old and the New Testament. Sin is, is something that we have to deal with before we come to God. That's why, why John read earlier from, from Matthew chapter 6, when you come to God in prayer, forgive as others have forgiven you. Does it mean if, if you're, for example, if you have sinned that God will not hear your prayer? No, it doesn't mean that he won't, he will refuse your prayer. But it, it's, it's like you have two children, they're, they're playing at home, a little boy, a little girl, and one of them comes running, Mommy, mommy, um, my brother, he hit me, he bruised me. Look, at, look, he hit me with a stick and he bruised me. And, and the mommy goes, oh dear, that's terrible. And she goes to, to deal with the issue and then she investigates further and she realizes, well, the reason he hit her was because she had bitten him first. These things happen. But the mom had to get the full truth. And in the same way, if we are coming to God in prayer, Make sure that we don't go complaining about somebody else when we have sin in our own heart. 
when we have unconfessed sin. Come clean with God. Confess your sins. Be right before God before you ask him to do other things. Honesty is, is part of prayer, keeping a confession of sin. If we're not honest with ourselves, we cannot be honest with God. And if we're not honest with God, we don't have the right to expect him to answer prayer. He may choose to do so, but he demands integrity in the hearts of his people. We need to have clean hands and a pure heart. King David said elsewhere, what are my motives in, in coming before God, in, in asking him to help in some way or another? He says, search your hearts and be silent. Search your hearts. And one of the things I think Andrew mentioned recently was, was meditation. Um, <clears throat> one of the frustrations, again, of our modern world is, is that we do not set time aside for silence. We don't set time aside for silence. Our minds are always busy, always rushing to do one thing or another. I, I struggle with it myself, you know, just to, <clears throat> to sit down and to do nothing and to let my mind at peace. But no, we have to pick up the phone, we have to hear music, we have to have sound, we have to have input into our lives all the time. We are the poorer for it, I would say. There, there was a, a man called William Davies, a, a, friend, a, a Welsh poet, wrote long ago, what is this life? If full of care, we have no time to stand and stare. And he, he rambles on a bit through the poem. And he ends, he says, a poor life this. If full of care, we have no time to stand and stare. And he was saying, take your time. Slow down in your life. That was written 100 years ago. How relevant it is in our modern world that we do not set time aside to think, to meditate, consider the things of God. Apply this to our spiritual lives. Take time to be holy is, is the command from God. Take time to be holy. That's what David is saying here. When you're on your beds at night, ponder and be silent. But there's a, a further point re regarding prayer, he says. Um, and he says, there are many who say, who will show us some good? Who will show us some good? Um, and it's, it's the, the fact that, sorry, I, yeah, sorry, verse, verse 5 says, offer right sacrifices and, and put your trust in the Lord. It's not enough simply to regret sin, because all of us regret sin. It, it costs us personally. But we live in an age, that this woke culture, where something I said 20 years ago, and it's suddenly, oh, it comes back. You said this, and I have to make a public apology, and it's embarrassing, and I lose my job, and all this kind of thing. But there's no personal sorrow. There's no repentance in it. And that is the woke culture. You simply apologize, and you say it was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. Terribly sorry. But it doesn't get to your heart. But what God desires is integrity, openness, and honesty. It's not enough just to regret sin. There needs to be repentance and humility. Worldly sorrow brings death, Corinthians says, but godly sorrow brings repentance, leading to salvation. Worldly sorrow brings death. It brings regret, 
I wish I hadn't done it, but it's in the past. Godly sorrow says, Lord, I'm sorry, and I'm going to put right, if I possibly can, what I've done. That is what godly sorrow is. It's, for example, the story of Zacchaeus. When Jesus confronted Zacchaeus and said, I want to eat at your house, Zacchaeus. And when Zacchaeus invited him in, and when Jesus was being questioned, Zacchaeus said, I am going to put right everything I've done in the past. If I've stolen from anyone, I'll pay back four times the amount. And more than that, I'm going to sell what I have and give half of it to the poor. I want to follow you, Jesus. And it's going to cost me. And that's, that's what godly sorrow it is. It, it is putting right what is wrong in our lives. But unfortunately, the, the modern world says, not personal sorrow, just tick the box and say, I've committed a sin, I'm sorry, it's done. No, it, it should affect you. So he talks here about sacrifice. And what God wants when he talks about sacrifice, you know, in the Old Testament, there were animal sacrifices, there were different kinds of offerings. We don't offer those things. But equally, God is not asking. He doesn't say, God doesn't say, give me your money. He's not saying, I want all of your money or all of your achievements or all of your time. I want all of your busyness. No, God says, I want your heart. I want your heart. If you're coming to me in prayer and you truly want to be right before me, come with your, with your broken heart. The sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite heart, David said. God doesn't want the busyness of your life or your money. He wants you. He wants your soul devoted to him. And many a Christian can spend their whole lives busy for God, always using their time wisely to do the, some work in church or on mission or serving others, always being a person. Others will look and say, he's a great guy, she's a great person, always busy in church life. That is not what God wants. First and foremost, he wants your heart. The sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite heart. Take time to be holy. Spend your time with the Lord. And finally, he gets to, to, to his emotion at the very end of it when he says, there are many who say, who will show us some good? And it, 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 there, yeah, it's interpreted in different ways, the, the translation. But basically, it, it appears that King David, in writing this, is saying, there are people who are, who are just scorning this. Life has no meaning. Who's going to show any good? They're being cynical. They're being negative. And there are many people saying, is there anything worth living for? If you're there, God, bless us. Give us material blessings. Reveal yourself to us and shower us with blessings. Then we'll believe in you. Then we'll be happy. Give us more of the good things of this world. And then we'll believe in you, God. And that's what David is, is, is saying here. Who will show us any good? But David goes on to say, they're wrong. They are so wrong. Here's what I have found in my own life, David says. Here's what I have found. I have more than enough in God alone. I have more than enough in God. He satisfies me. The world and its possessions, <clears throat> that does not satisfy me. A true believer will say, I find my 
my utmost joy, my complete joy in God alone. Others may look for joy in the things of this world, in the possessions they have, in material success. I will find my satisfaction in the Lord. And all, all the good things of this world pale into insignificance compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. And this, this is what, what prayer is. And so finally, he's saying, I, <clears throat> I lie down and I sleep in peace. I lie down and I Because he has gone through his life, he's looked at it and he said, finally, I can come to God with a clear conscience and I can lie down and sleep in peace. I can pray. And, and I'm going to leave it there. I just thought we would spend a little time thinking about prayer because our lives are so busy we do not give thought to our prayer lives but we can learn a lot from the psalms let's pray and ask god's blessing <clears throat> lord god almighty i praise you for king david a man full of passion full of emotion, full of many flaws, yet a man who loved his God. Gracious God, fill us with desire for you, with love for you more, so that we spend time praying, talking to you, bringing our struggles, our fears, bringing our joys, bringing others before you. But above all, Lord, simply praising and worshipping you for who you are. Lord God, teach us to pray. Holy Spirit, enable us to come with confidence into your presence and say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Bless us now as we take further time to remember the means by which we have access to you, the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Amen.